Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. It's always a pleasure to follow you on the air. And folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, especially if you have Pin Oak questions. Today's a pin oak day. <laughs> no, it can be anything. Concerns, comments, or whatever. And thanks for having me on your show. You can give that call and uh, we can talk about plant selection. Soon the pansies are going to be showing up in the garden centers. And right now, it's probably a little bit early, but uh, there's going to be some different kinds of bulbs showing up. Or some edibles like onion sets. You know, I hate onions, but uh, it's kind of fun to see all the onion sets. <laughs> Just so I don't have to eat them. But anyway, ground covers, your house plants, how your ground cover is doing. Some of the things, I'll tell you, this cold weather that we had, a lot of the broadleaf evergreens really super got scorched. Up the street from me on Wanda, there's a house that has a variegated type of euonymus, and it was spectacular. It was column you know grew like a column probably maybe six plus feet high and it was the one that has a pale green center near this let's say stem not near the stem but uh, you know near the center of a leaf and uh, near the vein main vein and then on the outside it was white and i'll tell you that thing is totally brown right now and uh, the you know other plants are really starting to show some of the damage from the cold we had. So just realize that that's what's happening. How about your lawn? Your lawn is a zoysia. It should still be very, very tan. If you go out and look at your zoysia lawn and you see anything green in it, that means you got things growing there that are not zoysia. So whether it's a, I mean, there's no getting around it because zoysia is not going to green up this early. But, uh, you know, your cool season lawns, your fescues and bluegrasses, Yes, they could have some certainly green to them. Your trees, shrubs, water gardens, or whatever, and vines as well. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just strictly offered for you to consider. Greg is producing, so when you call, he will ask your name and where you're calling from, and then we'll go from there. During the week, I do landscape consulting, a walk and talk. And consequently, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number, so you can contact me that way. And I'll share full, man, so many years of experience. I'm really getting old. But anyway. Now, tip of the trial, special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center. This is a great place in University City, and uh, what they do is they have programs outside, let's say more or less nature-oriented, plant-oriented, that type of thing for kids, 
for younger kids. So, yes, you know, what's coming up? Well, Valentine's Day. And certainly you want to give your kids or your grandkids uh, some, you know, candy for Valentine's Day or else they'd really be bummed out. But also, why not get signed up for some of the, guess what, programs at the Green Center. So the Green Center, they're... What you can do is you can go to the website. It's called classes at thegreencenter.org. But they've got classes you know, that's for basically grades two, three, four, and five. And they've got classes March. We're looking at March 12th through the 21st. And they're usually during the day. They're always during the day, I shouldn't say. But always just, you know, take a look at the classes. It's really amazing. And the, the site is really great fun. It's in a you know interesting part of University City, so tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center with their Nature Explorer Spring Break Sessions, and that's going to be for the second, third, and fourth grade students. They're invited to attend, and then also the tip of the trial goes out for or out to the Edwardsville Garden Club and the Fenton Garden Club and the First Capital Garden Club and the Florida-Lease Garden Society. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter, just names. But all these garden clubs, they get together, and they, then nothing is better than sharing information with other plant lovers. So things, tips that you may not have realized, if you just do this slightly different, you're going to have better and greater success, more aesthetic rewards with this plant material. So attending some meetings of the garden clubs could be the answer of answers for you to solve all the problems that you may have in your landscape. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any questions or concerns about your yard, your landscape, or your house plants, give us a call. Sharon lives in St. Louis. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Mike. This, uh, you probably already answered my question about scorching, but we don't have zoysia grass mm-hmm. out in front. But And every year we always have green grass in the wintertime, and nobody on our street has green grass this year. Everybody, <laughs> it's like everybody has zoysia grass. <laughs> Does, is that going to come back? Uh, it all depends on what it is. I mean, it could be... It's a mixture. Yeah. But, but it was always so pretty in the winter. <laughs> so you're just saying it's very, let's say, not so good looking right now? It looks like straw. Yeah. So Every- that, I mean, that's how zoysia looks in the wintertime. Right, but I don't have zoysia. <laughs> so in other words, you have something that's not looking so good. So, I mean, the cool season grasses, the fescues and bluegrasses, they should still be green. Now, if, you're not, if you don't have any green at all, that's not a good sign. No green at all. Ooh. No. So, so did it all die from the ice or the uh, freeze? Or it probably was drought related more so than anything, because you, last year was a very strange year. Early in the year, we had tons and tons and tons of rain, so that probably weakened the root system. And then we went to the exact opposite pole as far as you know. I mean, November I think and December for sure were extremely dry. And so, consequently, that kind of change back and forth 
plant material just some plant material if it's exceptionally healthy has great soil can handle it but other things cannot necessarily handle it so my guess is it was probably moisture related as much as anything the i mean the coal could have done it but probably it wasn't all that green before we had that you know really cold snap but you know when we got those warm spells and you i, I always listen and you say water 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 when you can so right. i hooked i hooked my hose back up and i was watering it every day and it didn't seem to help i guess yeah because the root system could have already been let's say on the downhill side yeah so it's just kind of keep your fingers crossed and um, start over yeah that's exactly what you're going to have to do Probably what I would do first, though, is I'd have a lawn service come out or a landscape service and do core aeration and put some compost down before you put any seed down or anything else. Okay. Try to help your, you know, your soil first. I keep em- emphasizing soil testing and then also feeding your soil with compost. Okay. So then you could go from there as far as putting some seed down or pieces of sod mixing you know, areas where you're going to put sod as well as then put seed in other areas, too. Okay. All right. It's going to be a long, involved process. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. Certainly. Sorry, Sharon. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. We are in that transition zone where, you know, the warmth, let's say the plants that love the south and the heat and everything else, we are at the very northern edge that they can grow. And then the same with the south, you know, the ones that are really more cold-oriented, we're at the very southern edge of that. And with the way our crazy weather is, is you know, it makes it very difficult for the plants. Let's go now to South County. And, E, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Uh, thank you for your show. I, I appreciate it, and I enjoy it very much. Um, I'm calling. I heard a lady earlier uh, talk about ground hornets. Right. And uh, it, this is not plant-related, but uh, I had them. Uh, we had multiple holes. Um, I called a pest control because I thought I had a critter, and he said the hole was too small. Um, I did get rid of them. Uh, they recommended, they said they go in at night. Right. So you won't see them at night. Uh, filling the hole, uh, you can get a mothball down the hole, throw that in, and then putting dirt, uh, soil, on top of the hole each night. And eventually they either went out another hole or... They deceased in there, one or the other, but um, they moved out quickly, actually. So uh, good luck to the person who has them. Right. Because, I mean, that's why I kept telling her, find as many of these holes as you possibly can. And, I mean, it's it's a nightmare. It's a disaster for sure. It is, and it was right near our front door, which Ooh. Bad when you go in and out the door. Right. So, yeah, My, um, I'll tell a quick story, Ground Hornet related. As a kid, you know, we were always in the woods and, you know, in Ellisville and everything else doing, let's say, causing havoc. But uh, we yanked this big roll of, you know, fencing out of the, some area where there's a bunch of trees. There was a ground hornet nest in there. I had them ta- got them tangled in my hair. By the oh. time I got home, I looked like some kind of alien. My mother freaked out. <laughs> no, well, they're no fun. No. <laughs> yeah, they hurt. <laughs> Well, thanks, E, and, you know, greatly appreciate your insight. Now let's go from South County to Lake St. Louis and into John's yard. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you, sir? Very good. I got two two questions. This should be quick. First one involving our aloe vera plant, a second one involving Japanese beetles in a lindenwood tree. 
Um, the aloe vera plant, we brought it inside as we always do, but we did transplant it last, uh, last spring into a bigger pot and, uh, gave some friends, some, uh, is it fronds is the appropriate term. I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we brought it inside and it has just gone gangbusters. It's actually pushing itself out of the pot. Um, and you know, you can, my wife is freaked out because you can just pull the little fronds out really easy because it's just pushing itself out. When we go to split this again, do I need to put it in a smaller pot to keep it from uh, going crazy again? Or is that just the nature <laughs> of its of the beast? Well, I mean, virtually, if you keep things in smaller pots, you're doing what the Japanese do, which is called bonsai. You're keeping, you know, many plants can be kept in small pots. If just on a, let's say, a periodic basis, every couple of years, you pull them out of the pot, you shake all the potting mix off or as much as you can off the root system, put some new potting mix back in and just put it back in the same pot. You keep putting in a plant, many plants, into a larger pot. And if you haven't oversized it, you know, with putting it into a larger pot, because that causes most of the plants trouble by doing that, then it, can, it will have a tendency to get bigger according to the size of the pot. So, yeah, I mean, you could certainly do that, go back to a smaller size to keep it smaller. But you're just okay. getting a natural growth with this thing. Yeah, it's just, uh, it started off from four, you know, pretty uh, brown frond to just nuts. So, okay, very good. <laughs> um, Japanese beetles and our lindenwood tree. We have a beautiful lindenwood tree out in our back. Uh, and I've had hit or miss luck with this... Um, uh, shaking powder that you put around the base of the tree. Right. You know, I'm familiar with. And so I'm calling to see, is there the proper time of year to do it? And should I do a second treatment? Well, um, basically what you should do is the Japanese beetle spends its, let's say, childhood as a grub in the ground. We have five different insects slash beetles that spend their life as grubs in the soil. Japanese beetle happens to be one of them. So doing grub control, that would be probably a, you know, a better way to go about doing it than just worrying about right at the base of that one single tree. Because the Japanese beetles can come from all sorts of places, but controlling the grubs in your lawn is probably going to be the better way. That doesn't mean you're not going to have them, but that's going to be a better way to go after it. How do you treat the grubs? You go to your favorite garden center and get something called Grub X or grub killer, or something along that, and it'll, you know, basically what you want to do, you don't want to do it, you know, put it down too early, because the grubs, when the weather gets cold, they go deeper, just like earthworms and everything else. So you want to wait till the ground starts warming up, and uh, then at that time, you want to put the grub, you know, grub X or grub control down then. So it's, it's difficult to say what particular calendar date, but just kind of monitor when you go to your garden center and talk to them about this, you know, grub control, see what they're thinking as far as the forecast and everything else goes as far as when you should put it down. But usually it's, you know, sometime, oh, let's say early, oh, it's weather dependent again, early to mid-April through early to mid-May. You know, it might okay. be a little bit late, you know, in the May, it might be a little bit early in the April, but that's the time you want to get your grub controls down. So the powder I've been using is not the is doesn't doesn't work on the grubs. Yeah, it probably doesn't. It may, you know, I don't know specifically what the, the product is, but this is, you know, this is speci- specifically going after the grubs. Now it doesn't affect moles and all that other stuff. That whole mole grub thing is just a bunch of bogus stuff. But consequently, what you're doing is you're you know getting rid of the grubs. Now you're going to kill other grubs because there is you know there's grubs that eat bluegrass root systems. 
bluegrass lawn. There's other grubs that are not, in, you know, that don't do damage to the lawn. And then there's a the grub that's a Japanese beetle grub, which goes up and eats the leaves on trees and other yeah. things. Okay. All right. Very good. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Good luck with that. And now let's go to Julie in Edwardsville. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mike. Hi. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have two questions. One is I have iris and daylilies in the same flower bed, but the daylilies have invaded the iris, and I'm afraid they're choking the iris out. The iris, I forgot the name of them, but they're a special kind. They have great big blossoms, mm -hmm. really big. And I want to know when I can separate those. Basically, you know, basically, as soon as the foliage starts coming up and you know exactly where each one is, you can do it at that time. So early in the spring, I mean, is a good time to do it. Okay. The second question is, the, the weather has been kind of weird this year. Yes. And I'm wondering, because we've had these warm times in with the cold times, would it, could I plant? some bulbs now as far as spring flowering bulbs or yeah. you so the spring ones they probably are not going to give you a bloom they'll give you the foliage but consequently you know the foliage will come up now that may be the foliage may be building up the bulb for next year to have the flowers but usually you got to get them in the ground before now and it's not, really, the ground is not, I mean, it's thawed out, but it's still going to, we've still got some cold stuff. So to put the bulbs out, you know, if I was going to do anything with bulbs right now, what I would do is if you have pots and potting mix, not potting soil, I'd put them in pots. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. Thank you for your program. Well, thank you for having me on your show, Julie. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. News Radio 1120 KMOX. We give you the news and information you can use. U.S. News, World News, everything. I do get the news on the radio. Oh, I like it. Up to the minute traffic reports. I need to know the traffic conditions. You know the quickest route to where you're going. The latest weather. Or you know the weather forecast. Just so you can plan your day. News from the world of sports. I'm a sports fan. I like the sports talk too. News, traffic, weather, sports. Gives me something to think about. Good information. We've got you covered. Take you from morning to afternoon to evening. News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. As you head out and take a look at your lawn, whether it's bluegrass, fescue, or zoysia, and you start to see some weeds, yes, usually weeds, growth of weeds, indicates soil, the growing site, or the cultural practices need to be changed. For example, ground ivy, which is found in many shady areas where shade-tolerant turf grasses have really gotten thinner and thinner and thinner because you can't really grow turf grasses in the shade. Anyway, it's not only the shade, but it's also the tree root systems. That says uh, annual bluegrass thrives in very difficult conditions such as wet, such as shady, compacted soil. So, and also turf that, that gets mowed way too close, always on a regular basis. So annual bluegrass, if you go out in your zoys and you see some kind of clumps of dark green grass. That's probably annual bluegrass, and it means you probably were mowing your zoysia too close, and that gave the chance for the annual bluegrass to get hold, and now it's a nightmare to get rid of. Mary lives in Overland. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. 
And I, I got to tell you, I just love our show. Well, thank you. Uh, the reason I'm calling is we have Austrian pines, and I haven't trimmed the pot, the very top of that one pine for recently anyway and now it's got very long uh, branches right at the top when can i trim them i'll tell you i would not do it unless you just absolutely have to because the tendency of an austrian pine is always when it gets to a certain height the upper branches are always going to elongate it's almost going to turn look like a post with a board sitting on top of it in the board and that's cutting those means the tree is probably at a certain age that it may not be able to regenerate any kind of new growth. Oh, okay. So leave it alone and hope nobody thinks it's terrible looking. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's just its natural habit. I mean, there's no getting around it. It's like, you know, certain people's hair turns this way when they get older and that way when they get older, and that's just the way it goes. Okay, well, that's what I needed to know. Thank you again. I really love our show. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And Greg lives in University City, which is fairly close to Overland. Hi, Greg. Yeah, question I've got for you. And actually, uh, i got a comment to start with. Okay. Is a couple months back, I had a reason to get a big load of mulch for a playground for my daughter's school. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis Composting had their prices posted. I was able to get a hold of them. They showed up, calling before they arrived. Big tandem axle dump truck came up this narrow little drive into the parking lot, pirouetted around, dumped his load, and was gone in five minutes. And Perfect. I was just really, really pleased with how quick and how easy it was. The other thing I've got is not ground cover, but lack of ground cover. The um, U-City has done a project of lead pipe remediation, so they trenched across the street all the way up to my foundation, and I've got a patch of ground now that's about 20 feet square that's totally nude. <laughs> what can I do with this now so I can beat out the, the coming rains in the spring? Well, basically what I would do is I would just, you know, I'm assuming it's just been, let's say, backfilled recently. Or how, yeah. how long ago was it backfilled? It was probably about two months. Okay. I would probably not do anything yet. I wouldn't rush out to do anything. I'd wait and let it settle more and more and more. As soon as it settles, so in other words, it's going to be sinking because of the air pockets from digging this trench are going to finally implode or collapse. Then once you've decided, maybe sometime in May or, you know, April, whatever, after the rains, after it's, you know, sort of settled, I would go ahead and get probably a compost topsoil mix and I'd put it in and then mix it in with this area where this, you know, that you're talking about. And then just raise the area of the soil about an inch higher than the surrounding ground. And that way that will allow for some more settling. But I wouldn't rush out and do anything right now because if you do that, there, you know, there still may be some settling and you may have just wasted your money, time, and energy. Mm-hmm. And I guess the second question would be then what kind of grass would I want to put there it's on the north side of the building, so it doesn't see more than an hour or two of sunlight. Yeah, if you put you know if you put lawn in there, just realize that you're going to have to re, let's say, replenish the lawn with new seed on a regular basis because that area with that much shade, your your lawn is just not going to be all that successful. So you can get a shady spot mixed. You'll use that. But just, you know, have some around on a regular basis and just go out there, you know, every May and every September and throw some new seed out. Okay. 
And that's all I need to ask for is just tell them I've got a shady lawn and right. I need grass seed for that. Yeah, shady spot mix. Or sh- yeah. So that's okay, exactly it. All right, great. Thank you. Yep, good luck with that. And now let's go to Mary, and she's, you live on I-70? <laughs> I'm traveling on I-70. Oh. I live down at the lake. Ah. I have a question about the Japanese beetle, and I have a palm question. My Japanese beetle question is we are, in, we, last year we were inundated with them, I mean swarms of them. And in the study I was doing on Google, they said to get the trap. You can make your own trap. And then I read later that the traps put out a pheromone, which actually attracts more beetles, which I have to say actually did happen. So I heard you speak to someone earlier and you mentioned Brubeck. I was researching and they said nematodes. Is there a better one to use, the Brubeck or nematodes? Uh you know, I mean, you want to use something that's going to get rid of the, you know, the grubs. That's for sure. Now, the traps, they're not going to bring, let's say, grubs in for, or Japanese beetles in from two houses or four houses or six houses away. But they are going to draw them in from your yard. I mean, these pheromone traps, basically what it does, it smells like females. So the male Japanese beetles are attracted to the scent. They get in there and it kills them. So it's not necessarily going to make it so you have an outrageous problem with them. Because, you know, it's just how many there were on your property anyway. But, yeah, doing the grub control, that's probably, you know, that's one of the better ways. Also, once you have them, I don't know what they're eating on or anything else. But if you want to spray an insecticide, you can do that, too. But you have to spray directly onto the adults. Okay. So get rid of the grubs. Right. Get rid of the grubs and kind of start from there. Okay, and then my palm question is, I don't know what kind of palm this is. It's an indoor palm, and the um, the trunks are very narrow. They're like maybe only an inch in diameter and tall and almost looks like a Dr. Seuss plant, uh, long and straggly. And the palm then, the leaves actually grow in a ball, but when they are growing now, they, they stick together. They don't um, open, if that makes sense. They stay together um, like they're stuck. My guess is pull these things and pull these, you know, let's say, leaf luts yeah. apart and see what's making them stick. I think you probably have an insect problem. Okay, got and, it. And so the insects are feeding. When they pull their, let's say, whatever they're feeding with proboscis or whatever, they leave a little sticky stuff, and that's why these things are sticking. Okay. It seems like they just aren't opening as it's growing. Yeah, my guess is, again, you have an insect problem, and let's say the, and the insects are going to have a tendency to be on the, let's say, the, the newest leaves because it's easier to, you know, to stick their, let's say, nose in and sack, you know, suck out the you know, sap or whatever they're going after. Okay. All right. I'll look under a uh, magnifying glass. Right. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It could, be, it could be spider mites. It could be, you know, aphids. It could be a couple different things. So, yeah, there's a lot, you know, sticky stuff is not good on plant material. John lives in Chesterfield. John, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. I just heard that lady heading out I-70 to the lake. I got a place at the lake. In the last two years, the uh, Japanese beetles were absolutely awful. Uh, I just gave up trying to do anything. I spray some, uh, some insecticide on when I'm there, but I, they're still, they are totally munching down my uh, grapevines. Ooh. Anyway, the question I called about uh, was crabgrass preventer. And I went on Missouri Botanical Garden website, and they list like five different chemicals to use. And it's, 
I can't figure out from their descriptions which one is better or is it just by price or what. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, there is no better. You know, with most of the chemicals, there's going to be multiple insecticides, multiple herbicides, multiple this. I like to rotate the products. So that the reason why they're listing all five is because they've all you know proven to be effective. Individual yards, individual individual situations could have an impact on it. But I would say just try one, and then maybe next year, if you know, it's going to take a couple years to get rid of the crabgrass problem. There's no getting around it. So then, consequently, the following year, just use a different one. Okay. Um, and then I got to wait like eight weeks after I put that down to do the grass seed. I was thinking about throwing out some annual rye at first just to get something to hold the ground and then come back later with the better seed. Does that make sense? Well, you can, but the, you're just kind of wasting your money and time. The annual rye is not going to do all that much for you. It's, it always looks, it looks rough, let's put it that way. So you're not going to look out and think you have a lawn there. You're going to think you have some, let's say, less attractive type things. If you want to do that, that's fine. But I've never really seen annual rye do all that much. But, uh, am I correct in a, uh, that it uh, germinates much faster than like the uh, fescue? It does, but you know, if you just wait you know, until the ground warms up a little bit, then it's going to, the, the time, yeah, it's going to come up a little quicker, but it's not going to make that much difference for the long term. So I would say just you know, spend your money on the good quality stuff Unless you just want to go ahead and try this, you know, and go ahead and do this. But it's not going to be all that rewarding, I don't think, from, a, let's say, an aesthetic value point. Uh, I, I, I can't water the grass for, you know, continuously long enough. I was thinking if I put the cheap stuff out, if it makes it, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I got some hilly, some hills there that I want the, the ground to be held by something. Right. So yeah, I would say go ahead and try it and see what happens. You can call back and you know let me know. But it's not going to let's say pop up and you know the root system is not going to be able to anchor a whole lot of stuff real quickly. So yeah, it does germinate quickly, but the you know the ability to control erosion is is going to be somewhat limited. There's no getting around it. Try some erosion netting and see what you think about that. See if that can help you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yep. Thanks, John. And Mike Miller, KMWARS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Rick Edelman Show. 3 o'clock, the Business of Family Business. 4 o'clock, Health Matters by SSM Health with Fred Bottomore. And 5 o'clock, the KMWX Auto Show with Greg Damon. 7 o'clock, KMWX Profiles with Debbie Monterey and Ryan Recker. Wow, lots of stuff going on today. No hockey? Hmm, I'm a little suspicious. We had a lot of calls about Japanese beetles. Here are some of the plants that are more prone to Japanese beetle attacks than anything else. And the ones that, uh, there's several but uh, mainly what they're listing is the roses, grapes, linden trees, sassafras, Norway maple, Japanese maple, purple leaf plum, among others. Plants that don't get attacked as much by the, let's say, Japanese beetles would be lilacs and uh, a lot of the oaks, mostly oaks. And uh, let's see, what else? Hmm, mulberry. You don't want that in your yard. Sweet gums, no, you don't want that in your yard. But anyway, those are some of the trees that are not necessarily going to be attacked by 
the Japanese beetle. One is dogwoods. They're not going to be attacked as much. So even though some of the maples are going to be attacked, there's other maples that are not. That's kind of amazing. And there's certain varieties of crabapple get just devastated by the Japanese beetle. And then consequently, there's other varieties that don't. How, what is it? How do they know the difference? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's go to the phones. Gordon lives in Carlisle. Hi, Gordon. How are you today? Very good. You had a call a short time ago about uh, uh, ground hornets or wasps. Some people call them yellow jackets. Yes. Living in a hole in the ground. Right. Well, I, I went to garden centers and tried all their insecticides, and nothing worked. And then I got a brilliant idea. Uh, I'm kind of a history buff, and I remember in the First World War that they used to spray chlorine gas during the war. So I thought, well... Why don't I get some bleach and pour it down the hole? And so I poured. I went out at night because the the bugs, the wasps, are in the hole at night. Right. And I poured half a gallon of bleach down that hole. Gone forever. Wow. And I discovered that if you have rabbit holes, pour it down the rabbit hole. Gone forever. They get gassed, and that's the end of them. Well, that's great. Good advice. Well, and it's harmless. Right. Ab- so, absolutely. It's just the same bleach you wash your clothes with. Right. Now, sometimes, you know, bleach on you know, plant material and stuff like that can damage the root system, so just realize that, too. Well, I'm talking about pouring it down a little hole. Right. True. <laughs> right. So, uh, but if you don't want to get stung, wait till it's nighttime, pour some bleach down the hole, and your yellow jackets and ground hornets, Will not trouble you again. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Gordon. Greatly appreciate it. And now let's go to University City, and that's where Kathy lives. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. Uh, how are you today? Very good. Well, thanks for taking my call. Uh, the reason I called today was um, I have, a, like, a small garden facility in St. Louis County, and a gentleman called me. We, he wanted some information on planting perennial ivy right now. So I thought about it, and I told him that uh, I don't usually recommend people planting things in January because of the ground temperature. Right. However, the you know, the weather has been up and down, and I thought, well, maybe I need to get an expert opinion on that, but I'm thinking uh, that he probably shouldn't plant perennial ivory, ivory, uh, ivy right now. I completely agree with you, and also it's not going to be available at the garden centers. So there's no well, place he can get it. Well, according to him, some company came out, uh, a landscape, I don't know where he got this, so I didn't ask him about that, came out and actually already planted it. So um, I didn't, <laughs> I you know, I just uh, was only, you know, confident uh, to answer the question that he, uh, you know, give him the information. So, right. So basically, you know. you're exactly right. We could have some severe cold. This, you know, this ground ivy or evergreen ivy or deciduous ivy, it doesn't matter what type. It's not going to have an established root system, and it could really get damaged by some more cold. I mean, it could just kill it off. So if he okay. spent money on this, he wasted his money. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I gave him the correct information because I, you know, I just was thinking about it and I thought, well, I don't think you should, no. but maybe I need another opinion. On yeah, that. and where this this company got this ivy, I'd be a little suspicious. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, uh, yeah, I, I think you're correct on that. Right. However, I d- definitely appreciate your, your answer on that. So thank you so much. Well, great. And thanks, Kathy. And now let's go from University City down to Crestwood. Jim, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for your show. Maybe a little early for this, but I have a question about sweet gum trees that you kind of poo-pawed <laughs> recently <laughs> during a commercial, which I agree 100%. I just bought a house in Crestwood. There's two huge, huge, beautiful sweet gum trees in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, every house, I've had a number of them uh, that I've moved to, I've cut sweet gums down because I hate sweet gums. These are so big. They're so huge. I, I kind of don't want to cut them down. Here's the issue. Um, it's not the tree that bothers me. It's not the leaves. It's the sweet gum balls. Right. I understand. I heard somewhere that there is a product that can be sprayed up in the tree that will inhibit the growth of those things. It has to be applied, I don't know, February or something like that. Uh, number one, does such a product uh, uh, actually, uh, is there such a product? And number two, uh, can you recommend anybody that would apply such a product for me? Yeah, it's, first of all, the company that applies it is not going to guarantee it's going to work. The timing is crucial. So in other words, when the sweet gum produces the balls, it has to have a flower first. So in other words, sweet gum balls are really seeds. So in other words... It has to be sprayed up into the tree when the tree is in flower. And the product is called Florel, F-L-O-R-E-L. And this was developed in Southern California because they have a lot of olive trees as street trees. Now, those are smaller trees. It's easier to see when the thing's in flower. So consequently, they can target, you know, specifically. And the weather is not as screwy as we have. But, you know, you could try the Florel. Uh, you could just call a couple different tree services, like Allen's Tree Service, see if they'll come out. But they're not going to guarantee that it's going to be effective as far as it may limit the amount of sweet gum balls, but it's certainly not going to eliminate all of them by any means. All right. Thank you for your time. Yeah. And, I mean, there's just no getting around it. So, uh, Mary from Swansea, can you do it quickly? Hello. Hello, Mary. Can you do it quick? Yes. Um, I have a berm that is right in the very front of my front yard by the street, and um, I'm the lucky one on the block that got the electrical boxes, and they're on that berm. Ooh. I just need something that would be would look nice all year, and um, that would be about three feet wide by about two feet high. Uh, three feet wide by two feet high. I'd probably look at, uh, there's a variety of globe arborvitae called Hetz Midget, H-E-T-Z. So globe arborvitae grows in a natural round shape. It's going to stay relatively small. It's not going to be exact the height and everything that you're looking at, but that's probably what I would recommend or use. It doesn't take any pruning or anything else. On a berm, it should do okay because it doesn't like a wet soil circumstance. So I would probably just kind of encircle this, these electrical boxes with that. Another option would be to get some decorative, let's say, trellises or lattice or something like that and just grow some ivy, you know, evergreen ivy or just even deciduous ivy or, you know, ivy flowering annual or something because actually the screening is going to be done by the, you know, let's say the decorative trellis. Okay. Or lattice or whatever. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Good luck with that. Yeah. And yeah, that's all. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is those electric boxes. Now, you know, that's, you know, those are two things that can work very well. The, uh, the arborvitae is evergreen. So Mike Miller, KM Morris Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. The voice of the Cardinals. News Radio 1120 KMOX. KMOX HD St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK HD3 St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.